welcome to the deep dive. Old mate, he's back, back from the dead. Hello, Mr. Smith. Hey, mate, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. That... Yeah, that rough week. Oh, bloody hell. That's, it sounds, you still sound a little choppy, but you definitely sound better. How are you feeling? Yeah, much better than uh, five days ago. So, yeah, still just right at the tail end. So hopefully tomorrow, another day of rest and be back back on the horse, as they say. Oh, mate, horse. Uh, well, I've got a few things to say about horse in the next little bit. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it's funny because, like, I, you know, like many people listen to this, I'm sure, listen to the Bill Simmons podcast. And I heard him, you know, he does, you know, these sort of almost soliloquy things where, you know, he won't have a guess and he'll do like 15, 20 minutes just on his own, like talking about sport. And I thought, oh, well, obviously, you know, I want to put something out and with you one, well, I thought I'll just, I'll give it a whirl. It's quite hard. It's actually quite, it's quite difficult, like just talking to yourself and kind of getting it to, to flow and, and, and knowing when to pause. And it's actually, it's definitely not as easy as it seems. We got something out, but I guess to be fair, we did do the Sam Wiedemann interview, which definitely check that out. We did the second interview with him. Um, that was really good and that was great fun and, and we did at least get that out um, in the week. So please check that out. Check out the Amazon interview uh, we did as well with the Making the Mark guys. That was heaps of fun. So we've done two interviews. Hopefully there'll be more this year. Obviously with the COVID restrictions kind of going away to some degree, at least it's going to make it a little bit easier to get some of that done. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, we've got lots to discuss to say the least. We better bang through this pretty quickly in terms of the intro because we missed all of last round too. But a pretty fascinating fortnight of football. So lots to discuss. Of course, big thanks to our sponsors at Hops to Home. Hops to Home is a craft beer delivery service. You can check out their shtick on hopstahome.com.au. Uh, $25 off your first pack using the promo code AFL Deep Dive. Great way to drink craft beer. The new actually opened the new pack yesterday. It came on Wednesday, I think it was. I just didn't have time to open it. And I think over half the beers I'd never heard of. So I'd like to think I drink a fair amount of craft beer, and I was like, don't don't know who half of this is, which was great. So there was yeah, a, and same. stuff from other states as well. Like, did you see in the new pack? There was a whole heap of stuff. I've I'd not seen most of it before. No, not, and the brands that I did know, I only tried one of those beers. Mm. The others, two, the other two were completely new to me. So yeah, looking forward uh, to tasting those when I'm feeling better and back <laughs> on the booze. Yeah, exactly. Right, I am off the booze as well. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, twice as bad. I will. This is probably not very um, responsible thing to say, but I, I, I really do think, particularly red wine, I don't know what it is. If I've had a bit of a bad cold, if you really get on like Cabernet, like Bordeaux, like quite big reds, like Amarone or something, I honestly think you, you kind of sweat it out and then you're okay the following day. It can kind of like beat... Anti antioxidants in the red. <laughs> Yeah, it honestly skips the last two days of the cold. It doesn't work at the start, but about halfway through, if you can get a bit of a feel for it, you have a crack on the red and then you're okay. You've got to give it a fair crack though. Yeah. But then you can also overdo it though. You can overdo it. There's there's a very small fine line where it works. It has it has worked for me. Yeah, um, uh, yeah the overproof uh, whiskey is also a good 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 option as well. Yeah, well, that's true. That is, that is true. Um, let, let's get into the round. So, first game, which feels... I saw highlights of this earlier today, so we're recording this Sunday night on the 11th. It's funny, this... this I know I say this all the time, and there's a Thursday game, but this genuinely feels like five years ago. But um, Sydney, Essendon... Yeah, exactly. Well, g good game. 
uh, 83 to 80. Um, Sydney just getting over the line in the end. What do we think of this? I mean, there's so much to take out of this. I mean, Stringer seems back. The Dons were a lot more accurate yes. than they were. What did you think? It's just weird. It's just, it's just really weird. You, you, you look at teams and their depth, and I wouldn't have said that Essen had much depth. I, I thought they were going to struggle with the injuries that they had at the start of the season, and they've only gotten worse with, with Shield out. Um, but these young kids just keep coming through and wanting to play a really good brand of football. I'm yeah. really pleasantly surprised at, at that, that style that Essendon are bringing. I thought they, they matched the, the Sydney intensity. Um, yeah, and that, I mean, it, it does help when you've got a 200-centimetre wingman. I'm not going to lie, he's uh, in Cox. He looks like he, he's going to be something very special if he stays uh, free of injury uh, throughout his career. He's a, he's a top player, and obviously... Um, you've got uh, someone uh, as classy and as uh, a great ball user as Zach Merritt, uh, continuing to play really good football. Uh, they look pretty good. Um, but, yeah, this one's got it done, and, and they're looking super impressive at the moment. Yeah, Sydney look really good. I mean, I, it's funny, like Nick Cox, like, I, I, yeah, I had absolutely no idea that he would be anywhere near... You know, I mean, to be fair to us, like you'd have to be really, you know, reading the, you know, the the back pages of the draft type, you know, conversation to really get an idea of that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, it looks like you'll be the Cox that we want Cox. You know that that they kind of talk Cox up to be. Like he looks like he's going to be so impressive. He already is. He looks fantastic. I mean, I don't, we're recording this Sunday night, so we don't know whether he's. Got the rising star, but surely he's have to be in the mix. I would have thought. Oh, surely he'd have to be. Um, can't go to another Sydney player. No, not not a fourth week in a row. But look, Sydney. I think early on they were too cute for me. Um, it did feel a little bit like they drank a bit of their own bathwater. I'll be honest. Very early, I, I it did feel like they were applying pressure, but certainly not the scoreboard pressure. Uh, halfway through the second, it was 6-1 to 2-6. Essendon were just accurate. So that, um, you know, Essendon were forcing the Swans to go wide, um, really slow them down. It's funny, like, Sydney were overusing the corridor as well. Like, oh, I don't know, like, it just it just felt like they had a bit of a funk, particularly in the first sort of, like, first quarter and even half of the second as well. Um, but, it, they, you know, they, they worked through it and it was a pretty impressive win given that, you know, Essendon had full control for large sections of the game. Yeah, and, those, and it's those senior players that have, have, have played really good football from round one. Papley, yeah. Mills, obviously Buddy back, um, Luke Parker. They, they, they're the ones who obviously started to take the ascendancy and, and lead from the front and they all have really, really good games and behind that all the all the young players started to, to, to pick up. Uh, I thought Blakey probably had one of his best yeah. games for the season. 100%. Uh, yeah. as well. 100%. He was really good. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to be positive. I thought Essendon were really good. Um, I will say that is another lead they blew, though. Like, they had really, yeah. really... They had a really good lead. So, I... Yeah, you know, and they're a young side. I mean, that's the thing. I, I can't think we'll say that all this year. hundred percent, and that's the thing. I don't want to be harsh, but it, it is another lead, like the Hawthorne game that they blew. But um, the other thing too is, you, like the flip side of that with Sydney, you know, they came back from four goals down in the wet. Like that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, and I thought it's funny. Like it's it, 
this round really was a round where there were a lot of the same old problems highlighted again. So Collingwood still can't kick a high enough score. We, they still have so many offensive problems that are the same problems they've had really for a year and a half. And Essendon still don't have that big body defender. And, and you know, there's a number of other things we'll go through through the round. But like Parrish, I thought he did okay against Franklin. But, I mean, he is just, you know, like a good, you know, he, he's a good 20, 25% smaller than him. So he, he wasn't able to do yeah. it. No, and hookers too valuable up front at the moment for them, so you know, he yeah. really straightens up. So you don't want to um, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm. You there? Connection breakdown. Sorry, yeah. Uh, just saying, yeah. The sooner they can get Mark Hurley back, the better. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I, look, I. It's funny. Like I, one thing with this game, and it was really pretty frustrating. But only four rounds in, and that's another game that was really marked by pretty bad officiating. I mean, I, I, I don't want to bury it into the umpires and it's not their fault in a large part. I think they were throwing a lot of new rules at the last minute and it's just getting very frustrating. Like the last two minutes of now, I would say four games going back and we've only had, you know, we've only had what, you know, mid thirties in terms of games. We haven't had that many games yet. And yet there's been four clear games that have been heavily affected at the last minute. And the Port-Richmond game was the same thing. So, I, I don't know. This this was frustrating in that, you know, very late, there were a lot of decisions that were missed. So, I, I don't know. It's I'm sure they'll get better through the year, but it, it, to be honest, it, it, it's been pretty frustrating to watch. Um, what did you think? Did you Was that frustrating for you as well? Oh, yeah, I agree. And I was chatting to, I think, my, yeah, my brother about, about it, um, like especially the last couple of weeks, uh, about some decisions that clearly have been incorrect calls, yeah. um, regardless of whether the, the umpiring fraternity will admit to it or not. Um, and the one thing for me uh, I've seen probably half a dozen times now um, with kicks after the siren uh, for yeah. a shot on goal, the umpires are not standing behind the man on the mark to see if the player runs offline and plays on. And when you've got the camera angle right behind it and they're allowed to run an angle, so well, hang on. Again, that's not the interpretation of the new rule, so why are they allowed to have that shot on goal? Should we play on? And, uh, and a kick should be stopped. Uh, I've seen it. A couple of times when a player has been outside of the field of play to take the free kick yeah. and run around and the umpire's caught it back, so it should be the same. So, yeah, look, I think they're still getting used to those rules, um, just like the players are still getting used to the holding the mark. We've seen a number of uh, players being penalised this week for going off the mark, so hopefully another few weeks and it settles down. But, yeah, it's not ideal at the moment. It's frustrating. I mean, essentially, there's been one game every week. So if you go over, and I'll, I've got some specific examples in the next game. Um, I didn't jot because I didn't want to bother jotting them down for this one, and then have to back over it again for the next one. But Collingwood, um, Brisbane, there was clearly a number of things missed very late in the game. You back over the Geelong Hawthorne game was embarrassing. How much Razor inserted himself into that game, but he he always does into Geelong games. I I, I don't know what he's, and then. Um, the Geelong-Brisbane um, game in the prior week, right? obviously you remember this game, at the very end, the um, non-decision at the end when uh, Blixarves just drops the ball. I, I just think, I don't know, I think it might be partial mental whether they're they're you know scared of, of doing something that late. 
you know, it's hard because they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. There's been years where they will intervene and then they get criticised for intervening late. So I, I don't know. And then round one, obviously, there was some, you know, with the Essendon Hawthorne game and some of the other closed games. I, I, it's hard. I get it. It's a ridiculously hard game to officiate, but I, it's frustrating. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Can I just? I want to bring up one other thing. I, I we, we didn't get obviously a chance to speak last week. It, it is just at this point, like we really need to rename the podcast. You know, Bush League Deep Dive. Like it, it is honestly at this point <laughs> unbelievable that they've released. So they like. I don't know. Like we we spoke. We speak about this every year, and every year it's frustrating. But so again. Like, I honestly want to put a sign out the front of AFL House that says, do you guys know that you own the teams yet? Like, are you aware that you're the lead negotiator? Like, you own the teams, you make the decisions. Like, not them, you. You own them. Their money is your money. You own them. Like, so we've got another situation in round six and round seven where they've released the, oh, so in round eight as well, Three more rounds, no Thursday games again. So again, pack everything further and further in. So split the audience, divide the audience further. We've got enough competition with other sports as well, but don't worry about that. We'll just carve our own audience. So all the casual fans have to make a decision, right? Which there's a lot of, and there are a lot of people that follow the game just generally. Way more than I think the AFL thinks that there is, right? So they've carved their audience again. To me, it is incredible that we're in a position now where we still don't have Thursday as a permanent fixture. I mean, what, what do you think about this? This, to me, is just mind-blowing, that we're still in this situation. Yeah, and I heard... A, I don't know if it's a ludicrous comment, but it was, it, it was a weird comment from a very esteemed uh, media person uh, in the AFL ranks that suggested that the AFL did it deliberately as uh, an ace up their sleeve for negotiating the next TV rights at the end of 2024. And I'm like, how does that work when you already know that Thursday night is the number one uh, audience viewing time slot for the season? That's counterintuitive. Like, why would you hold it back when you could show how often and how consistently um, people are sitting down for for Thursday night football? There's there's two things. 100%. There's two things. Firstly, and this goes to my point before around that they own the teams, right? So... One of the excuses is that, oh, where, um, uh, you know, teams want longer break, right? That That's a garbage argument now, particularly after 2020, where we had short breaks. Don't, and, and, and there were a lot of good games last year too. Don't give me this garbage. We can't we can't play unless we have an X amount of breaks all, all the time. Like it is some of these, and that's what, you know, that's what really annoys me when there's, so like, oh, well, you know, the, the powerful clubs won't 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 deal with it. It's like, well, what what do you mean? You you own the clubs. It just blows me away now. It's just it, it's absolutely crazy. And then if I'm Tim Warner at seven, I'm saying if you don't include Thursday night games, we'll pay you less. That's the reality. It's a money yeah. bonanza for them. The like, don't give it's not not this garbage of the Monday night games which didn't work. That was a stupid idea. But Thursday clearly works. You get really good crowds, and the numbers on TV are fantastic. So what? What? What am I possibly missing at this point? It's incredible. It's incredible. I've no idea. 
It is I, one I, of the. I, I just find it astounding because, especially compounding weekends, oh. there's junior sport. Junior sport. Yeah, so you've got 100%. already that to contend with. Why would you try and play more games when people aren't going to watch them? Like, yeah. I, I, well, it just baffles me. The NRL love it because now they've embraced Thursday night and apparently they're going to do further and further um, games now and they've, they've got one less game a week. So they, they can have complete free air. They can just, you know, yeah. ha- have it open. So I, I, there is no excuses now for games overlapping. And today was another example. Even though we had a Thursday, today was poor scheduling again. This is another one I, yeah. I want to bring up just briefly. Why? Why? What? Is the problem with Sunday night games? What? Why can we not have an early Sunday night game? Why does it always have to be the West game that we do that, where it's a, a twilight game at Optus Stadium, and, and then that becomes a night game for the East or an early night game? What? Why? Why? Why can't that Frio Hawthorne game have started when the, when the Melbourne started at six o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time? Why? Why? What, what? Especially especially like this weekend and next weekend when it's school holidays. So. Not only, not only is there no school, a lot of parents take this time off. So Monday yeah. isn't that hard a thing to uh, back up and go to work. Plus, if the game's done by 8.30, it's not that late. But that's, six o'clock that's the thing. Start, Six o'clock then, start. It's yeah. not late. It's not late. What am I missing? It's not late at all. No. Like, I'm awake now. It's fine. Like, what? <laughs> the game would basically yeah, be finishing now. Not- like what? What am I missing? Yeah, and no kid, and the, it's not too late for the kids. And it would have finished yeah, half an hour ago. Do, they can go. Yeah, they can go. Well, let's do. They can go into the city during the afternoon, do some stuff as a family, and then watch the footy afterwards, and then come home. Like, yeah, it just it baffles me. And again, why does it always have to be WA that um, has that time slot? It's clear that the clubs have AFL house barrel to the gun. Like they've just got them, you know, head on the concrete, American History X style, and they just won't. They just just treat them like trash. It's true. It's very, it's very graphic. Very graphic uh, example we put there. Well, that that example is how angry I am at, at, at why. Like today, I'm a busy person. I, I could not physically find the time to watch now to, to have finished one game and then you know then start Hawthorne Freo again afterwards after all that happening and watch it as if it was live i haven't got time no most people don't like it's just anyway so it's very yeah, I, was watching a, a, I, was, I was watching one of the uh footy panels this this morning and even those guys get paid to watch it we're saying the same thing yeah haven't seen exactly it. what you and i yeah. are talking about they're just like we just don't have the time yeah to to, to watch two games that are on at the same time it doesn't happen it's impossible Jared Healy is paid to analyze the game, and he openly said, I cannot do this. Make them at different times, and then I will be able to watch the vast majority of the round. Like, it's clear the commentators <laughs> haven't seen a number of teams. Like, it's anyway. Yeah. Port. Totally. Port. Uh, so, anyway, that, that, look, I think close that first game. I think, look, Sydney, yeah. amazing. Um, they're going to drop a game. I think for sure soon. I don't oh, think Sydney are going to go on a huge run. This, this you know, next week. Who, who's Sydney got next week? Sydney, Sydney, oh, Sydney, I Sydney. They, I think I think they'll, they'll the Giants next week. Season progresses anyway. Yeah, for I sure. We're competitive, but this it's a long season, and we've seen we've seen this before. Young teams at the start they play really really good football, yeah, um, and then the cream of the crop start to rise uh, yeah. after the, the mid well, season break. See Gold Coast for the last three years. Um, and then Essen, and I think oh, look, they look they look impressive, and that's the thing. I think in that Geelong preseason game, it, Essendon looked a lot better than um, 
I thought they were going to... I think Essendon are going to be better than people think they are. I know they had a couple of bad games, but I really do think they'll be a bit better. Um, yeah, agree. Port-Richmond, great game. I mean, to be honest, in a lot of respects, it really was in in pieces, really, and the, kind of like the the nucleus of the game was really a mirror image of the prelim. Um, and then, you know, Port really kind of, I guess, were lucky this time in terms of when the siren blew. What, what did you think of this? Incredible uh, pressure the whole game. Yeah, and uh, probably watching the guy, aside from the dogs, probably the, the premier two teams in the comp, uh, especially if we're talking pure pressure. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's two teams that, that, that bring the heat um, like these two. And it showed, like... Um, both teams had opportunity. Well, Port definitely had an opportunity bigger than Richmond to to really open up a, a massive lead. But the perceived pressure and the actual pressure that Richmond bring to the footy um, made every second kick by the Port team uh, shaky, and they were very shaky in front of goal, even though. Uh, they had a lot more opportunities, and, and likewise, the towards end of the game, when Richmond had all the ascendancy and probably had a good three or four chances, there was that perceived pressure from Port and the actual pressure, um, and they turned it over in bad spots. And obviously, can't stand you. Um, yeah, forgot his soccer skills right at the end there. Oh. Uh, but look, just another classic. These two teams are starting to build a really uh, a nice rivalry. Very, very uh, hawk. Cats uh, like, and it's great to watch. Well, because Daniel, I think that last play, which we'll talk about, but that last play, he overran it just slightly. I think he almost went yeah. at the wrong angle. But they had they had their chances, and and we'll get to the end in a second. But um, look, Rosie was injured, went forward. I thought he was fantastic. He had a bad cork, went forward. They were down um, a number, like through the um, game, they were down repeatedly. Dersma obviously was. Um, Injured and now, now that's you know not looking amazing, but at least it's not the PCL, so he'll be he'll be back. Um, but yeah, look, I think weird, weird game. So we'll talk about it from a poor perspective because they won. But I mean, Boke, like he's got to be in the run for the Brownlow, really. Like he he was outstanding. Um, I thought Houston was incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they, they, this team is is as I said, you know, Thanks. I should we never had the discussion. I wrote it down. But when your team has Georgiades like floating on the outside, like this is how good their list is. Like they they are so impressive, and you know Alir Alir has just slipped into this side and been amazing, and he's just such a impressive defender that gets his positioning better than nearly any other defender. He's outstanding. It's just and, it's and, absolutely ridiculous. And it's funny. It's and there was a number of times where he didn't do that very well. Um, and Richmond didn't make them pay yeah. um, heavily enough. Uh, that just goes to show the quality uh, of this Port Adelaide side that they can have these moments here and there where their defensive setup might not be right, and not or they might might not make the right decision, but uh, good enough to not let the team get to the opposition get on on top too much. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Baker, I kind of wonder whether Baker needs a bit of a spell. Uh, I don't know how damaging he was. It's funny, like. As, you know, Richmond obviously still going to be a very good side. They'll go deep this year. But still, they are missing a little bit of polish. Like, Higgins was amazing um, for St Kilda this week. And, you know, players like they they will miss a few of these um, a few of these guys. But, you know, Jack had that miss late. It's hard to talk about the end. But, like, Jack had that miss late. That's the thing. Like, as much as Castagna had that miss, Jack, like, 
cooked that. Um, it was a hard shot. It was a funny oh, angle. Yeah. It was a fair way out. Um, I don't know, but it's funny. Like I want to, I want to get into Dixon as well before we get to the end because it's hard. Let, let's just sort of concentrate on the midpoint of the game. What, what what do you think of this this guy? So like, is it is it me or a port genuinely playing him as a decoy? Like it really does feel like at this point. Tactically and I mean optically, from what I can see, he is a decoy. He is not there to be the main man. He is there to drag defenders away and create opportunities for the smalls and for the mids. It certainly appears that way. Um, he's he, he's not getting his hand on the ball too much. No, and he's, he's definitely not having the season he had last year and the year before. Um, so it could be a good point. I mean, smart if that's uh, what they're doing. Uh, he's going to draw number one or number two key defender. Yeah, pull them out of the game. Um, yeah, uh, and maybe that's something that Richmond made a, might need to look at with Lynch because Lynch is not in so good a form either. No, um, and maybe he just needs to be a decoy and, and play further up the field and just drag a defender out of out of the way. But uh, it was a specific. Yeah, be, inter- be well, interested to watch uh, and continue to see whether Dixon sort of yeah doesn't do much as far as from a stats perspective because I mean as we can see Port Adelaide can put on the score pretty quickly and they don't need him to kick a bag. No, and and in the second quarter particularly there was. A number of times where Dixon was dragging defenders out right in front of the leading pattern to Georgiades. Like it was yeah. either uh, an incredible, you know, luck situation, like just bizarre, or this was something that was trained. I, I don't know. It, it, anyway, it was very, that's something to watch. But I thought Hartlett as well was outstanding. It's one of the best games I've seen him play for a while. And obviously, we can't not, talk about Paul, we can't not speak about Gray. You know, he was okay through the game, but again, like he's ice in his veins. That that kick like he gets them in front and they win the game. Like he's well, he, yeah, he, that's he missed a couple of easy, easy oh, other shots uh, early in the game and then he, he has it in that in that pocket that he that he's kicks a couple of uh, match winners from before. Um yeah, you you wouldn't want it in anyone else's hands um at a pivotal time. Um than, than, than Robbie Gray, he, yeah. he's done it multiple times, so no, he, he's great. And Ollie Wines, as Kenny Hinckley said uh, at the start of the year, he was going to have a, a big season. He continues to just be a bull in the midfield for them um, and, and plays plays some really good football. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's not too many players on on the Port Adelaide list at the moment that um, could get up, come off the ground for the first four weeks and say, oh, I didn't didn't play that well. They're pretty pretty evenly split at the moment. And you know, to do it with all those injuries throughout the game, I mean, Fantasia was another one that rolled his ankle. So very impressive to, to get on top of such a good team in Richmond. To me, the two main factors of how Richmond got back into this game, because Port, you know, started pretty well. I mean, look, Richmond started better. They were ahead. Port, you know, put the pressure on. But what led Richmond to get, I think, the first half, Port, you know, didn't probably take their chances as well. In the second half, you could mount an argument. Richmond in the second half, you know, had the same situation. Richmond easily could have won this. Could have easily gone either way. It was a great game, very close. But there were large sections in the second half where Port simply just stopped making Richmond run defensively. So every time it was in Richmond's hands, you know, the way Richmond moved the ball, they really weren't making the move. And that, and that, they were allowing them to move the way they want to move, which I know is very difficult to stop. But that that they were doing it in the first half, and then Port also became very obsessed almost with 
stopping Richmond through the corridor, which really backfired. They, they were guarding the corridor really well, but then, you know, Richmond don't care. They'll, they'll have it to go on the skinny side. Like, as long as they can get their movement going and, and that chain of connection going, they, they, it's it's going to work. Yeah, especially if it's coming out of the back half by yeah. uh, Grimes, Asprey, or... Um, Oh mate, uh, Hawley, Broad. Uh, they were all and Hawley, yeah. of the footy. Yeah, yeah the Hawley. I thought, I thought Hawley was fantastic in his return. Um, yeah. to AFL was a little bit rusty, but um, that that dash is uh, going to come in handy and, and it'll release um, Edwards to play a bit more up, up the field and on the wing and through the midfield. On Broad, just quickly, he he got caught too far ahead of the ball. He took the bait a number of times. So cleverly, Port, and this was definitely a tactic, Port intentionally would drag Broad out. He Whether there's been tapes that have been studied and they've thought he's susceptible to um, taking the bait and, and, and heading into areas he shouldn't be heading to, there was no doubt they were intentionally dragging him out. And it worked. Because the thing about it is, and this, it's funny, I was thinking about it during the game, it really does prove how incredible that grand final win was um, last year. Obviously, you know, in watching it again, you know, Geelong, I think the second time through, Geelong really did choke in that game, particularly in the second half. But that said, Richmond were incredible, and at the same time, and that's how they were able to win it, and... You know, we have a situation where you know uh, it, it's it's amazing with Vlosten in that like he gets he, he was injured obviously right at the start. This is a game where they need of Vlosten heavily, and you know by dragging Broad out a number of times too, it worked. It, they they you, you, I'd love to see a stat of the amount of times where you know, it'd be very difficult to draw a stat like this, but it felt like each time he was drawn into space where he shouldn't be, they'd score or at least they'd have an opportunity. So it's interesting. I mean, Asprey also got caught high up the ground too, so it's not just broad. But Asprey probably needed to stay further back with no Vlosten. Um, Tar, they needed Hooli to do what he did. I'm not sure it was Hooli's fault, but it just shows how important Nick Vlosten is. And now signing a five-year contract, it's it's great that he'll be at the club until he's, what, 31 or something? Because he, he's, and he's yeah. you know, such a fit guy. Like, I... I, I, I all the, all the post-Rance era, all the, so much of the credit's been put on um, Grimes, but Grimes, you got to like Vlosten is extremely important, and oh, I, both of them, yeah. I just, I just don't think people realise how important he is, and I anyway. Um, so that's yeah. Look, I, and again, I thought like so. We'll get into this umpiring thing. Um, yeah, really poor. I mean, like Burton had multiple holds on Martin. So Burton, so in the first half, who ran with Martin in the first half? Was it Jonas? I'd, I'd have to have a look at it again. I don't actually remember off the top of my head, but I think it was Jonas. They had Jonas. So I think they had him running in the first. But the second, so bulk of the game, though, was Burton. But, like, ridiculous holds on Martin. No free kicks paid again, but particularly late. Same with Lynch. Like, and front on contact to Rewald as well. Nothing paid. Nothing. Like, the last two or three minutes, I really do think they've been given the instruction to put the whistle away, but it's to detriment of the game. And this this is what's frustrating, is that I don't want to blame the umpires. I really don't think it's their fault. I think it's AFL House. I think they've given these ridiculous instructions. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a blight on the game because every week it happens. Every week this stuff happens. And especially when they're being consistent with other rules, which, uh, yeah. I mean, the chopping the arm. I mean, you can't... The defender can't even put their arm on another player's arm uh, at the moment uh, without getting 
penalised, which, yeah, fair enough, they're calling it and they're being consistent with it. I don't like it because it doesn't allow the defenders to do much. They've got to essentially make contact with the footy and not touch their, their opponent. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, and then they, they chop and change their, their interpretation about the other rules and whether someone's being held off the ball or yeah, the front contact, uh, key in danger, taking under the knees. They, they're all inconsistent at the moment. Well, not 15. Not 15 is the other one as well. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Just, but, I mean, that's a that's an ongoing one. I, and, I, and it's the one that I just... When the lines, the grass has been yeah. specifically, so you can tell... It blows me away. It blows me away, so... I, I, I do wonder whether they need... Depending on how the game's going. Yeah, I do wonder whether we need lines on the ground, but oh, that's, that's, another, yeah. that's another whole thing. <sighs> No, I'd rather not do that. But but it happens so often though. Anyway, um so that look, great game. Um I think teams both teams really got a feel for um where each other's at. It was at. finals like. It did feel like a finals game. Um obviously Richmond would, would be very happy that, you know, they were luckily in front at the prelim last year. It, it was a very similar game to be honest. I it really did have the same feel. Um yeah, yep. look. Having having such a ballsy defender in Aaliyah that's that's prepared to you know leave Rewalt and damage the game up up you know almost high half forward and then go back and, and assist. I mean yeah he's he's incredible. Um, a few injuries though obviously out of this game though like it'll be very interesting to see how Port go in the next few weeks with um, you know Dersmer injured and then obviously now. Um, they had uh, Orazio injured as well. So there, there's a number of injuries here that'll be, you know, how does Rosie pull up after that cork? I know he played on, but, you know, anyway. Uh, but Richmond, they'll be back. And yeah. that, that the pressure was back. Um, Martin was pretty good. He'll, you know, he, he, he'll, he'll, he'll build. Um, it's early season. They'll, 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 they're going to win enough games to make finals and then what kind of damage they do, you know. They've got so much finals experience. Um, it's very hard to win exactly. three in a row, but particularly when you won another one prior to that. But like they'll 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 go deep. It's just going to be a matter of what kind of draw they get and where the teams are at that stage. But um, I'm not I'm not worried. Obviously, yeah. they lost to Sydney, but they played lights out, and and Richmond were down, and they they were missing a lot of pretty key players as well in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the footy gods are good to us and we get to see these two play in a more serious game later in the year. Yeah, well, this is the, this is, this is the granny I picked, so it'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we get to. And then Dogs, um, Lions. So good game in um, Ballarat. Um, pretty, like, average conditions. But, look, it's good to see the Dogs really tough it out. I think uh, before we get to Brisbane, you know, last week, Western Bulldogs, you know, kicked, you know, 800 points or whatever, you know, murdered North, and you know, un- under the roof in pristine conditions at uh, Marvel Stadium. But to see them in, you know, pretty windy, raining, you know, freezing conditions in Ballarat, they played really well and they toughed the game out. And, you know, I I, I just can't believe it. It really does feel like something special is happening at, at, at the dogs. Like, yeah. it, it feels like like they're, they're not only contenders, they're, they're almost the contender really now. Like, I think... English has this is, this is the best game he's played. I think he's elevated our man. He's elevated another whole level. Um, I thought they used the boundary far and away better in a game like that with conditions like that. They used the boundary significantly better. Um, Stefan Martin has been a ridiculous inclusion. How did Brisbane let him go? Is he, is he, the, is he, is he the, the 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 pickup of the? The, the postseason last year. So far, I would like, say. Has he just made this team so versatile? 
I would say so far he and Alir would be the two best pickups. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and closely followed by the other guy that went to the dogs in Trelaw. He's having a well, actually, yeah, of course, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, that's start. true. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, the dogs did very, very well. But yeah, Steph Martin, like, just he's poised and just that freedom it gives for Tim English to go forward. He looks natural as a forward. He well, he, very he was a forward. Good contestant. Yeah. Mark. As a junior, we were um, spoken about this. He was a forward and. And yeah. he he never like there was no the the reason he ended up in that position was they were stacked for forwards, they they just yeah, well like happened. well we can we got a Norton can't ruck so no we rucks. can't we can't go that down that route. Um, well, he was a defender as a kid, so that's the thing we can't really go that. If any if anything, he's going to go down back if he's going to go somewhere. He's not going to go in the ruck. So, oh look, they played the conditions a lot better. It was heavy wind as well, obviously you know with a big open ground, you know obviously much shorter. Stands. They played the conditions a lot better. Eighty-one tackles, and they won the game. You know, they won the game by nineteen points and and, and ridiculous amount of tackles. Um, yeah, look, you know, Trelaw right now, if he was playing for Collingwood and playing like this, he would be easily leading their best and fairest, easily. Yeah, and, which and is a pretty big be, blight. And Collingwood be looking like a better team, no doubt. I mean, they they might win another game. Like that's the thing. He he's that impactful. But pretty slow start. <laughs> Obviously, both teams had to get used to the conditions, but. It built, um, yeah, third quarter was pretty strong from the Dogs and they just, you know, held on from there. Um, yeah, well, we're probably a lot of the same things we've spoken about the Dogs. Obviously, we, we've really, in the last few weeks, given them, you know, a lot of rap. Let's talk a bit about yeah. Brisbane for this kind of opportunity. Unless you've got anything specific you want to say about the Dogs. I mean, this feels more about a Brisbane thing rather than a than a Dogs thing. What, what do you think? Oh, yeah, except for accuracy in front of goal, I think the Dogs did everything um, exactly. beautifully in, yeah. in, in, try, in trying conditions. Yeah, I... I think you you and I both expected them to win, and, and yeah. so uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's much more to talk about Brisbane at the moment. Well, so a couple of things. So obviously Brisbane really undisciplined. So Zorko in the second um, gave way a 50 meter, cost them a goal, and then Robinson in the first, same thing. So two goals given away. I mean, that's you know they still would have lost the game, but that's still not good. It's a lot closer. It's um, you know, it could be eight. It's, it was ten, thirteen, eight, six. Could have been eight, thirteen, eight, six. So at least it's a little bit tighter. Um, it was pretty disappointing. They played the conditions really poorly. Uh, it must be noted as as an asterisk, of course, that they they're still in Melbourne. They've been here for three weeks now. So uh, you know, it's, yeah, which that 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 actually concerns me more about how oh, not pathetic, just how lackluster their effort early on was in this was game. Poor, yeah. um, without the travel. They should have. I would have thought that it would have been easier for them. But again, it, hub life that makes things different for everyone. I, I just think I just wonder whether a bit of complacency after such a good season last year has set into the the minds of some of these Brisbane players. They just do not look like the ferocious, skillful no. team that we saw last year. And a big a big thing with that in connection to that is there, and this is a major concern. Is their forward line really is a pretty like I think it's almost rabble type. Like I think it's only really a couple more losses away from being a big concern. It looks unorganized. I really like Charlie Cameron was really nowhere. He looks a totally different player. I know he has to play higher up the ground because of Danaher, but that said, it's completely thrown that forward line. And yeah, and he's not suited to that role. I, I, no, it should be the other way around. Danaher's much better. He's such a good field kick, and he's not so good in front of the sticks. Um, I'd rather see Brisbane push Danaher up on the wing somewhere yeah. and have Charlie Cameron do damage, 
down the pocket. Like we've seen how good he can be uh, playing deep. And just let him let him get on his bike. Yeah, well, the forward line's so just maybe not sinking. When they get back to Brisbane. You'd, you'd hope so. It's just not yeah, sinking at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that, and you're right. I, I think you're 100% on it because the reality is when they when that did happen, then it worked. It worked a lot better. But, yeah, yeah it's – um, and, it's, yeah. And, and lucky Neil, yeah, uh, kudos if he's pushing through some type of injury. But, sorry, he don't win games of football taking players – that injured, so give him a rest yeah. and let let a kid come through the ranks and give him some experience because, oh, as good as he is and he's an elite player of the competition, he, he's not playing anywhere near the level of what he would expect, let alone uh, what the outsiders expect. Um, and I think it's having a major impact on their ability to to get the set of clearance um, and have a real impact moving forward. So I, I think it's time that they uh, obviously will probably have probably waited an extra week before they get back home uh, to make that call. But I wouldn't be surprised if he is on the sidelines next round. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, and then, I mean, another thing too is this, this is, you know, this is another example really of, that you know, AFL players are so used to playing inside stadiums. Brisbane looked like they were trying to play repeatedly. They looked like they were trying to play a dry, you know, Marvel Stadium type of game. Like they were over guarding the corridor, and then through through the first half, and then they were really over guarding the the boundary consistently in the second half. And the dogs played because the, the conditions got better in the second half. The, the dogs were laughing like they they just were like this. This is ridiculous. They they, they completely misconstrued their tactics. So I don't know. It was very very strange game from Brisbane. Yeah, it was was disappointing really. I, I think I know it was close ish, but it should have it should really have been a lot worse. Like what we said with a lot of dogs games, ten thirteen. This should have been, you know. 17, 18 goals and whatever. Like, it should have been a much, much, much more damaging result. I think Brisbane are, you know, a little bit lucky, really, that this this was not a huge, huge blowout where, where there'd be, you know, a lot of pretty... Hopefully, there's a lot of pretty yeah, serious... Yeah, 30 or 40 points. Mm, yeah, I think uh, hopefully there's, you know, still very serious questions being asked behind closed doors because this easily could have been significantly worse. I hope this isn't papering over the cracks because it looks poor. It does. It doesn't look good at all. They they miss they miss Martin and and you know it's it's not it's not working it's not working at all and I, I I'm very concerned about them offensively so anyway um dogs good really good um they yeah. dogs dogs are so good they're so much fun to watch I love their kids Bailey's uh, Bailey Smith's a freak he's so good he's just I think one of my favorite players to watch um yeah they they're just a, a, just a, so much fun. I, I think I, I would love I can't wait for the finals really with because of the dogs you know those teams like early in the year where you're like and you know they're going to make it and you're like this is going to be so good like they're, they're just going to whatever what, even if they only win like a couple of games it's still going to be so much fun like they're going to they're going to yeah. they're going to break some teams bring a lot of excitement yeah exactly yeah. oh well it's back it's, it's back to that 16 2016 thing you know and what's crazy is like you know Bont's obviously right in his prime and um, yeah oh, it's going to be amazing Next game, um, Saints uh, West Coast. Amazing game. I, I watched. So I watched this. this is, uh, such a great game. I watched the first quarter just, live, and then I, I saw. That's some bizarre games. Oh, is this the most bizarre so far? Or is oh, it up oh, there with Hawthorne Essendon? I think this is even more. I think this because 
That game was two teams that are, you know, with the greatest respect outside of the eight. Yeah. Whereas this one, of course. Whereas this one, West Coast, you know, have come away. They they've got a ridiculous lead. They've got complete control. So I I, I watched the first quarter and then a bit of the second, and then I was just tied up on the Saturday, and I thought. Surely they've got this, right? Sure, surely that's it. Like this is going to be sad sacks and Kilda, and 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 West Coast are just going to run away with this. And then I looked at my phone later in the day, and I'm like, what? Like I could not believe the scoreline. I was like, this is unbelievable. And I graduated, I watched it early this morning. It is an unbelievable game. Like if you haven't seen this game, you must watch it. Like it's it it's you have it has to be seen to be believed. It is one of the craziest games you'll ever see. So St Kilda were on the ropes, it, it, like halfway through the second, like completely, and then at half time. So it's five five to five to ten three, five five to ten three. Just to repeat that, like they were out of it, like completely out of the game, and it looked like everyone, you know, journos were riding at half time, just sitting, you know, St Kilda disgrace and everyone was really kind of you know the fans look pretty concerned this is one of the most amazing turnarounds obviously like you know go to all-time turnarounds like you know well Essendon what do they be- they beat North when they were like what was that you know that the marshmallow game in the what is in the 90s they were down by like you know 60 points or something absolutely ridiculous but this this still yeah. I, I don't remember that game I was young but this, this is a ridiculous game um I mean where do we even start like <laughs> We'll start with St Kilda because they won, but like it's hard. Like they were, they were woeful. They, their 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 energy in the first half was poor. Their execution was poor. They just were pretty poor. They were hard by turnovers. It was it was a lot of what we'd seen already. Yeah, St Kilda this year. It's like oh here we go another game where they're going to be competitive for bits and pieces, but overall they're going to play out poor game of football but oh, some, something something clicked yeah it's uh, it's like they realized halfway through well like people I, I saw like a few people saying oh the second half they're a lot better it's like i got about eight or nine minutes in the second into the third quarter i was like Gee, when are they going to start when is this going to get better and then all of a sudden it's like they sat down and thought well hang on gee we're screwed here we better do something and then all of a sudden yeah, they completely it, turned it around yeah and at the same time it was like west coast had already driven over to Tullamarine to hop on their flight home. Oh, I think they, and that's what we'll get into the, with, with West Coast. But, um, yeah, look, Steel looked great. Um, I mean, yeah, look. Brad was really good as well. Brad Hill was much better. You know, Max King was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were heaps, heaps, heaps better. Like, the, all, all the issues we had over the last few weeks, and, and if you go back to my notes for round three as well, like I went back and had a look at them, um, which we obviously knew the episode, but I went back and had a look and it's all the same stuff and they just completely flipped it around. It's completely crazy. Like it's, they blocked the yeah. 50 so well. Like it was just absurd. But like it's... It, this is what they need to do so that they're in a good shape when all the other players start returning. At the worst, so at the worst, it was 48 to 81 West Coast were up. Like that, it, this was a... Completely, and then by the end, so there were plus fit in the at the end of the second half, there were plus fifty disposals, and they had twenty five tackles in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it like wow, it's unbel- unbelievable. Last week there were thirty five tackles for the whole game, and this game just gone, there were twenty five just in the last quarter. Last quarter, yeah. Brad it's Crouch insane. had thirteen tackles. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I, I just it, it it like eight goals in a row. Like this was just absolutely ridiculous. But 
look, obviously we'll get we'll get into bit um, more with St Kilda, but the the Eagles. I mean, they they just thought they were, as you say, they they thought they were on the flight going home, and, and they just couldn't react. They took so long to react. They were so confused. Nick Nanui smashed into that defender like they were bang banging into their own players. It, this was players, yeah. ridiculous. Terrible decision making late. Kennedy went for that ridiculous goal from seventy out instead of you know he had multiple leads. He ignored all of them. Obviously, Hearn was injured early, which you know impacted um, you know impacted the game clearly because he's you know we forget how important the old man is. But far out, like the Saints were just too fast for them, and they just they were too slow to react. This was a crazy game. There's a bit to bit to be concerned about again. Uh, West Coast having such a good lead, playing some really good football, uh, but still cannot manage to win a game in Melbourne. Yeah. And I want to think all over again. I want to talk about this, and I, it's good. I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I meant to write that down. I didn't. It, it, like, don't. And this, this is okay. This gets into the Collingwood thing, which we'll get into in a minute. But we'll just do it as a double barrel. Don't give me this, you know, sass and complete, you know, you know, almost arrogance from the coach, right? To be like, you know, Buckley after the Grundy game, which we'll get into Grundy in a minute. To be like, oh, you know how how you know, accusationally was to critics of Grundy's game. Grundy was really poor. And that's why we're critical because he'll have a couple of good games and then fall away. You're going to earn a million dollars a year. You're going to earn Martin money. He doesn't play anywhere near like Martin. You're going to get the criticism. That's the simple reality of it. And you look at this situation here, you know, Adam Simpson gets complete up you about you know, the flat track bully, blah, 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 away from home. They blew a 40-plus point lead. So don't give me this garbage that, that this is not an issue. It, it still keeps happening. They, they can't keep their foot on the gas consistently. It just keeps happening. Obviously, they were able to get the, the premiership in 2018, but there are games still where this list lets it go. Yep, absolutely. And uh, they've got enough depth to cover the, the losses of Shui, Hearn and, and Yo at the moment. Uh, so that's not not an excuse. But again, this excuses stop when you've got a lead like that. Such a good team, any team in the AFL, but North Melbourne at the moment should not be giving up those leads at uh, three-quarter time. No, well, half-time almost. Like, th- this was, yeah, so an amazing disappointment for West Coast. They, they had complete control and they completely blew it. Um, it just shows there's, there's, this competition is a lot more even than people think it is. And yes, St Kilda have been poor, but you cannot rest against the vast majority of teams. There is a good 14 to 16 teams where you need to keep applying the pressure. Otherwise, you're, yeah. you're a chance of losing. And the reality, that's how even it is. And the reality is, it's far and away more even than people think it is. And the reality is, this is, this is hopefully, I was thinking the end of the game. If West Coast finish fifth, this game is the one I'm thinking of. This is the one where they blew it. This is the one where I think you had a massive lead, you were in complete control, under the roof, in perfect conditions. Don't, like, if they finish fifth, I'm completely going to bring this game up. Because that, that this was, this was, it's, well, why not? This, this is, this was a completely piss poor oh, effort. you think they're going to finish that high? Well, they might, and they, yeah, they might. Oh, I mean, I mean, I'm saying that hypothetically. I'm saying if if yeah. they finish fifth, oh, yeah. for sure. They they, I, I think they make the eight, but I think they'll only just sneak in for sure. But if they finish fifth, I'm bringing up this game because this is a massive disappointment, and it's a piss poor effort from a team that was that far in front that's got the the skill and the ability that they've got against a team that's been that yeah, poor. Weapons across the field. 
Yeah, oh, they've got. Look at you know, uh, and this is the thing. If, if West Coast had won it, we'd be talking about Petrocelli, and he was fantastic. Like they've got, you know, uh, Oscar as well was was good too. Like this is the thing. I know they obviously completely all they all fell away, and, and I think the instructions were poor towards the end as well. So. Anyway, a, a crazy game, a hilarious game. If you've not seen it, like it's like the it's you know it is does have that comedy element like the Hawthorne um, Essendon game earlier in the year. But you must watch it because it is it is a bonkers game and and just seeing the like disgusting <coughs> pace that that St Kilda have and the outrageous um, you know structures they have is just yeah amazing. Like the overlap run is 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 it. It's it's like it, it well it it honestly felt like they you know went into that break at, in the second half and then thought all right well now we better bother paying attention like it was just a totally different team um, and then Collingwood Giants wow what a what a crazy game this was too so Collingwood same old problems which we'll get into in a minute but Giants on the canvas so that they're about to go oh and four and and they scrap a a pretty good win together I thought. Um, Green was incredible. Uh, Finlayson was fantastic, and great combination between those two. Obviously, without uh, Cameron, Taranto was huge. Ward was amazing. Obviously, injured and kept playing was fantastic. Um, yeah, r- really impressive. M- Mumford, who's eight hundred years old, beat. Gr- I thought he beat Grundy in the ruck, which we'll get into in a minute. I kind of hinted at where I'm going with this, but yeah, w- what did you think of this game? I-, I was really impressed by the Giants. Yeah, so again, going back to what we're talking about at the start of the talk, uh, the the, the podcast. Um, this was on at the same time as another game. So yeah. I bear, I haven't seen any except for the, the bits of highlights that have popped up here and there. Um, oh, you watched the Carlton? The you watched the Carlton Giants? So I watched the Carlton. Okay. The, the Suns game, yeah. So uh, except for, yeah, things like you've just been like apparently Mumford was uh, very, was. very good for someone who's literally the backup, backup. Back up Ruckman, and he's actually on the uh, uh, list as a as a as a coach or, or um, <laughs> as a member of the staff rather than a player, which is a good way of uh, dealing with the, the pay cuts and, and, and whatnot. So, uh, which is good, and yeah, obviously Toby Green, he obviously loves uh, the limelight. He loves the captaincy. I, I dare say he will take over that role um, next season. I, th- I think Canelio will uh, be stripped of, or he'll uh, step down. Uh, he obviously is uh, playing great football as a captain, so no. I think Toby Green will get that that role. Well, that, sorry, just to go back. So that kind of works out well. I didn't realize you saw the other games. That's good. So I'll I'll bang through this one, and then you can go to the next one because obviously I couldn't watch two things at once as well. Um, yeah, look, very slow start, um, freezing conditions at the G, but it 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 built. Um, but yeah, look, as I said. You know, GWS had a, a much better strategy. They exposed them on the outside. They exposed them in the clearance. And yeah, the Pies, they get absolutely smashed in score from clearance. If you look at that stat, it's it's damning. And and the other thing that worries me too is I think it's starting to get to the point where the age makeup of Collingwood, Geelong too, but Collingwood is really starting to be concerning. They had, they had seven players over 30. I, I, I'm not sure... You know, Levi Greenwood, you want to keep seeing these kind of guys popping up in, in these games. I, I, he's been a good player. He was a very good tagger through through periods, obviously, of the last 10 years. But are we sure that, that this is still where this team's at? Um, it, it, it was the same old... Like, I, I don't even want to talk about it because it's the same old stuff we've been saying for, you know, basically nearly two years now. Well, really two years is that 
it's the same thing. They, they simply can't score enough. And I, I, I feel like Buckley and Chris Scott, to some degree, their game plans are old. I feel like they're a bit old and a bit outdated and I'm not sure they're... I think they need reinventing or, or they both need to do something else. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't honestly feel that where Buckley is going with this team is going to take them further. I, I, I just don't feel that it, it was all the same strategies that just don't work. You know, yeah. it's my, my checks. Here, yeah. Sorry, go. go. Their best players are Sidebottom and Penelbury and they're the Taylor Adams are the only three. And they the weren't that good. And Adams anyway, was injured. Run. Yeah, well, Adams had a terrible injury as well. When you're relying on those three, the same three again, um, you just think that before Taylor Adams' injury, the only key player that the Collingwood were missing was Jamie Elliott. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about this game plan, playing list. It, it just, I just don't think it's going to stand up to some modern football. What they're doing doesn't work. That's the simple reality of it. So they're going for this diverse, widespread forward line. And they're going for this very, like... They, they, they play like Richmond if they had no Rewalt or Lynch. That's essentially what Collingwood are. And, and lesser quality, smalls and, and mid-sized offensive. That's essentially what Collingwood are. They're trying to play that style and they don't have the weapons. It's, it, that's essentially what I see when I watch Collingwood a lot is it's that they've come to, you know, a gun party with a knife. It just doesn't look, they just don't have it. They don't have enough to deal with, you know, the, the common rigours of, of modern football. I, I'm just not convinced. My check busts his ass, but he's not the guy. He's not going to turn into this amazing player. If I hear, and I heard, you spoke about Horse earlier, Horse made a really funny comment, Longmire, through the week where somebody in the media, I can't remember who it was, maybe a journal or something, said to him, well, X, I can't remember who it was, but like, let's say it's, I don't know, Papley, or Heaney is probably a better example, but like, you know, making this up, but like the journal is like, oh, you know, so will, um, will Heaney play that, you know, Dustin Martin type of role this week? And Horace was like, no one plays the Dustin Martin role. I'm not quite sure about this, this whole like adjective now of like, the Dustin Martin role, like Dusty plays Dusty's role because he's Dusty. Like, you know, Buddy plays Buddy's role because he's Buddy. I'm not sure we, you know, there are other examples of that. It's pretty, pretty hard, you know, like it's, I'm not sure they, they're pretty unique players. I'm not sure they, they, you can have like this Dustin Martin role. If I hear one more person say that is this Dustin Martin type of player. I'll vomit. I'll, I'll be so sick. It's not funny. This guy is so far away from him. It's not funny. He's not his left foot. I, I can't understand the Kool-Aid that people drink out there that think that it is like cult type stuff. It's like, what what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? What game are you watching? They have one thing in common. They only have one thing in common. Tats. Tattoos. Yeah. Yep, that is it. I guess they're right. Nothing else. No. It, 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 it is incredible. And, and I, I will firmly agree that a lot of Collingwood structures at times, are ironically, very poorly set up for him and that and the way he plays. That's the irony of it in that I think a lot of the times they structure up really poorly for their one very only weapon. So I'm not... Yeah. I mean, Will Hoskin-Elliott was better, but still not great. I mean, I, I'm not... 
I'm not convinced by this at all. Like, I really do think that... I think they're going to miss finals. And I think that Collingwood are going to need to... If Buckley's... Like, they either back him in to do a complete real rebuild and start again. Because this is the thing. I mean, we've gone over this, and I want to mention it one more time, and then let's put the hatchet in, in the soil. Because I just don't... Like, so, you know, I was reading today with Sam Wiedemann, right? We spoke with our man, and you know they're gonna they're planning on playing he and Brown forward, and then uh, Tommy Mack on the wing. You know, this side they're, they're four and zero, right? Melbourne are gonna they're probably gonna play finals. They're they're definitely in my eighth spot now as a minimum because Gold Coast are out. Forget that that I had preseason. So now that's they're, they're in, right? So the reality is they've got the luxury. They're four and zero, and they're gonna bring in. Sam, who will be like English and benefit with, you know, not having the, the, the hardcore attention and be able to flourish as a young player with Brown, who, who, you know, I'm sure will teach him a number of things and they'll bounce off each other and get better and better. Because of the disgusting money that Collingwood put into Grundy and a number of other players, they, can't, they weren't even in the race for Brown. And he would have played in Melbourne. He would have gone to Collingwood. So that like, oh, what's the difference? It's the same. It's the same park. Like it, it is absolutely disgusting what has gone on at Collingwood, and, and it will be one of the bigger boil. It will be in history one of the all time boil over scenarios with that twenty eighteen grand final, and that they they obviously just missed out, and and the water blew over. So I I, I just think uh, yeah. yeah, and Eddie's legacy finishes in tatters with this. Well, with it's this. it's poor. Yeah, it's very poor. Well, the, the ladies yeah. might win it. Not, not good for Collingwood. The ladies might might win it, so that might be his only his only jewel. But the, the men's have have been very poor, I think, and this this will really fall away. But look, really well done on the Giants. Um, you know, coming here a way win like that can can really start to re you know ignite the season and give it the you know the shock that it needs well, it to come back. Yeah, it definitely makes. Uh, next week's uh, clash with Sydney much more enticing now. Kelly looked heaps better as well. He's been really good the last couple of weeks. Um, look, considering I saw a number of like you, Collingwood Twitter was on fire, uh, as in like the house was like on fire, burning down to the ground. Yeah. Um, it was very funny to read, but like Collingwood people were, and I can I agree with them. They were like, "How can we lose to the Giants when with all the outs they've got?" And I completely agree. Like, you know, anyway, so anyway, we've done that. Um, so Gold Coast Carlton, tell me about the Gold Coast Carlton. So I saw I saw bits of it and I've seen the highlights of it, but I guess what was the feel of the game? This looked like, it almost looked like a game nobody wanted to win. What what what, what did it? Yeah, and it's, uh, uh, look, if, you, if anyone's ever watched uh, a game uh, at night up at Metricon, you get pretty much the idea of what this game was like. So wet weather football, even though it's dry conditions, just because of how dewy and slippery the ball gets. And yeah, yeah every everyone uh, was there's lots of mistakes, lots of turnovers, poor um, disposal efficiency, uh, which made it look like nobody wanted to win the game because they uh, would be play- a lot of the game was played between the arcs. Uh, and it wasn't until I guess uh, halfway through the third where Carlton just started to show a little bit more ascendancy um, and get used to the conditions that they 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 looked a bit cleaner with the footy, but um, poor decision making uh, from this this 
Actually, I'm not going to say poor decision making. Someone's got to have it mentally with this Suns team to get rid of this loss mentality. That's all I can put it down to. They just do not know how to win a game of football uh, when clearly they they should have won this game. As as much as Brisbane are on, on the improve, their home deck, they know the conditions, and yes. No row, no wits. Um, no, we're going to lose the hitouts, blah blah blah. But they have got a gun midfield and very sloppy. Just decision making can come into it, but just sloppy errors, uh, not positioning themselves uh, in the right position, uh, positioning themselves right moving forward. Yeah. Um, their defensive lapses continue to hurt them a, a bit. Uh, Stewie Jew, I don't know what he's doing at the moment with Lukosius, whether he needs to see whether he can play forward or play back. I, I thought with a game like this, they should have kept him um, in the back half because he's such a good user of the football, uh, such a good decision maker. Um, and just the young team, they just didn't know how to change their style of play to suit the way the game was going. They wanted to play this small, controlling, kick, mark football and the conditions didn't suit. They just needed to get territory, and that's I think what Carlton did better later in the game. Well, some I had this written down for last week, but Rankin, he like you know really good player, obviously, but like it's just the one percenters. He he's still trying to play this really champagne football. It's the, it, he's just got to go and just really get the idea that in AFL football we really need to have a situation where. You know, decision making comes first, and you know the better option is is the better option. He always, so often he goes for broke, and it's just it's just it hurts them consistently. Yeah, um, and, and look, he was he he was a bit better. Um, he played a, he played a little bit higher up the ground, and his tackling was much more evident. Uh, but again, it, it was on show a little bit where he tried to do champagne football in conditions yeah. that just aren't necessary. The, the best conditions to be able to do that. Uh, you look you look like a fool. Um, I guess that might just come with time, as we've discussed with, with Melbourne. Melbourne are a much more team-oriented uh, group now. Uh, so it's more about getting the win as opposed to getting the stats. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's just that, that'll come with time with Rankin. Obviously, his first season there was um, marred by injury. And he's pretty pretty new to the game and the speed and all that. But I look... Um, there were, there, were, there were some really good highlights that Noah Anderson continues to build it. He, he was easily, uh, in my eyes, the Suns' best player. Um, uh, and, and their senior player, uh, Hugh, Hugh Greenwood, was outstanding all night. Yeah. He run with roll with Cripps. That was out, that was that was great viewing. Um, Cripps didn't get a lot of the football, but went forward, kicked a goal. Um, he also just stood tall as the, the leader of the, the Carlton team. He, so that was a really good battle. I, I really enjoyed watching that um harry mckay it wasn't it wasn't a night for the big forwards but he's crucial moments in the in the last quarter um and the third quarter he, he he was sticking his marks um and and playing a bit up the field and again someone with really good uh field kicking skills was able to um open up the pack and, and, and allow count to, to score a little bit more easily when he knew um it wasn't his night in front of front of the big stick. So again, just shows a bit of bit of maturity that's coming into his game as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And then, uh, yeah, good good to see a couple of the the old old stalwarts in Eddie Betts and and Mark Murphy in particular have um, pretty. 
good games without um, a lot of uh, stats to, to suggest. So I, I thought those two were, were brilliant in, in crucial moments. Uh, Murphy kicked a couple of good goals early on, um, and Eddie just just brings his uh, pressure um, and almost kicked a couple of amazing goals like Eddie normally does. So yeah, and uh, look. Great for uh, Mark Pitnett to, to finally get some uh, quality time um, on a regular basis. And the rookie was outstanding as well, just giving first use to that, that midfield. And I think that was the biggest difference. Well, Gold Coast, from what I saw, I saw a bit of the game, but like they, they really weren't taking the risks. They, they were playing very safe, and I think that really cost yeah. them in the end. Um, it looked like Liam Jones, we'll get into Carlton as well, it looked like Liam Jones was a lot better. Kerner looked like he had a pretty good game as well, from what I saw. Um, yeah, look, it looks looks like it. You know, I think. Look, if you're a serious contender, and not that we thought, you know, Gold Coast were, but we thought they might, you know, push for the eight. Surely, at this point, but you're not you're not making the eight. If you're losing to Carlton at home. Surely, like I, I the Carlton are a good side, no. but they're a long way away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just not knowing how to just like I said, not knowing how to switch game plans when it's not working. Um, yeah, because. Conditions don't always allow, especially that type of game that they're, they're playing at the moment or wanting to play. Um, obviously, a, a Geelong play like that, but they've been doing it for years, so they, they would have been able to work their way through it regardless of the conditions. But again, it doesn't always work as we saw saw today. Um, whereas, yeah, Carlton were a little bit more uh, flexible with their game style. And again, like you mentioned, when the game needed to be taken on, when they were about two, three goals behind late in the game. Just go down the middle of the ground. Just just take the game on. Yes, you might lose by four or five goals, but at least you're taking the game on and, and, and trying something new rather than playing safe and going along the boundary and, and kicking down the line to a pack. Like, you haven't got wits there to take um, the big pack mark. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a bit hard. Um, uh, and you're always relying on King to, to do that. And if he's up the field, you're gonna, who's going to kick the goal? So... Yeah, still a little bit of learning to do from the Gold Coast Suns. And uh, look, this could be the win that uh, the Blues uh, really galvanise behind and, and start to get a bit of a run on. Yeah, it's very, um, it doesn't do much for the psyche of the Gold Coast to lose to Carlton up there. But anyway. Um, Definitely not. No. Um, look, I get it. You know, other, than you... that, other than that, it was, as, as, as a spectacle, pretty, pretty tough game to watch because of the conditions and the skill error. I think I, I chose the other game to watch live just because I was really interested to see, you know, if the Giants could topple. Uh, I tipped the Giants. I thought I'm curious to see where they're going to go against the Pies. Um, let's keep moving. So that's that game. And then North Adelaide today. I actually this was a good game. This was this was actually not bad, for, particularly for the first half. Um, Certainly uh, looked at Adelaide pulled away eventually, but this was a this was fun to watch. Um, the fog, our man, was um, was better. I thought for for yeah. Adelaide. Um, yeah, I mean, Tex was was excellent again. I, I think he's you know obviously. This is already further. I reckon Tex might be leading the Brownlow uh, by round after round four. It's he po- has yeah. had four absolutely perfect games. Oh, very good games. He may not get the, any votes this round, but he, I reckon he votes in the first three. Just. Just on a side 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 note, there for all the the, the key forwards, you're gonna possibly someone leading the Brownlow after round three. I, I've written in my notes here, Tex Carey. So like he, <laughs> yes, he's uh, without the glassing. He is just such a, a just the playing side of it. 
he is just an amazing player to watch at the moment. But he yeah, he he was exceptional. Um, lazy desperation from North early. I, th- I think, you know, so much about, you know, modern footy is desperation and, you know, intent and, you know, showing pressure and all that kind of stuff. And they just didn't show it early and that allowed Adelaide to get a bit of a lead. But they worked their way back into it. Um, much better ball movement from North in the second and the third. Um, interestingly, probably the main reason why this didn't blow out and then stay blown out for most of the match no Sloan, so no Sloan obviously hurts them. And Turner put a pretty heavy tag on Laird. And as a result, yep. you know, Adelaide are thinner in the centre now. They're not the team from two, three years ago where they you know, were pretty stacked. So, yeah, look, you know, it, it hurt them for, for periods, but the Crows, you know, the class they've still got, even with all the, you know, and now their kids are, you know, coming up, it, it really um, out you know, Sean North and yeah, I mean, look, you know, they had a few injuries too, but nothing, nothing crazy, nothing huge. Um, early on, little things, you know, Zerha, um, he he was playing like somebody that wanted the stats. To be honest, he was playing like somebody that wanted the the goal next to his name um, rather than doing the team thing. So, to be honest, there's a few of those kind of things pretty early on. But look, it 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 was it was good. It was fun to watch. Um, Ten eight to sixteen thirteen in the end. It, look, Adelaide had, had look of those thirteen points. A lot of those should have should have been converted. So it should have been a lot worse for North. But um, yeah, it, interesting game for sure. Better than I thought it was going to be. Um, probably not too much to take out of this, to be honest. Have you got anything you want to chat about with this? I, it's a pretty um, rudimentary. I mean, if yeah, the, the only good thing to come out of this game, really, unless you're Adelaide supporter the win, um, is just say North Melbourne finally have some spirit and some yeah. spark on the free field because up until now, they, they, they've brought nothing to, to the free field and um, at least gives their supporters a bit of hope, like Adelaide this time last year, um, that they might be able to get a bit more competitive through, throughout the year, especially when some, some of their other players start to come back from injury and they start to understand the system a bit more and um, yeah, get used to the new players at the because it's essentially a brand new list. Like so many players are not there from last year, so I don't think anyone's expecting anything above uh, a wooden spoon. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, it's just a matter of whether they fold early or whether they be able to just show some fight for the rest of the year, which is, I guess, all the footy world wants from them. Yeah, hundred percent. Just to be competitive. Uh, that's and that's probably the yeah. At least they showed something. They weren't completely destroyed, and then. Um, Melbourne, uh, Geelong, good game. Um, the Demons, yeah. obviously, the first time four in a row since '94. What did you think of this? Yeah, look, this this, this was a really good contest. Um, I, I think it exposed uh, the deficiencies of the Geelong team, which you touched on earlier. Uh, it, it's uh, it's an old system that is failing at the moment. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think Dangerfield back into that side. Makes a huge difference. He he's that good of a player. Um, but oh, look, and, and whenever Je- Jeremy Cameron comes back, that'll that'll bring a, a, another thing next um, dimension to their four their forward line as well. But yeah. having said that, they Melbourne made them look pedestrian, uh, not at times, uh, almost all game. Um, and it's only the the tenacity and I guess that uh, belief in a lot of the senior players at Geelong that just hate losing um, that that got them within a whisker of, of uh, potentially winning this game. Melbourne were fantastic. I thought um, every player uh, for Melbourne had an impact. Uh, it's a shame that May went down, but um, 
being four and zip. They've got Tom McDonald, who is a backman. Um, the luxury now that he could swing town back uh, if needed when Brown and Wiedemann come back, which is, is a great luxury to have. And Petrarca is fantastic. He's obviously uh, going to be right up there if he continues this rich vein of form uh, for Brownlow. Uh, Clayton Oliver's as solid as a rock. And those two, you and I have both mentioned uh, through the podcast this season, just how much more team-oriented those two are in particular. Um uh, Frisch has, has worked on his goal kicking. He was brilliant uh, this this week. Cosy uh, had glimpses but didn't have the, the, the impact that he's had uh, in, in previous weeks. Lever was absolutely standout in the in the, in the back half, especially when yeah. Murray went down. And just his maturity to to control his his teammates when things weren't going well in a really um, controlling, uh, humane manner. He, he wasn't yelling or screaming. He's like, guys, you need to stand here when this is happening and don't mouth off and there's no need to, to push in the back after a mark and give away silly free kicks both yeah. in the field and, and in defence. So he's a really good anchor and he's obviously found his, um, found his spot down there and, and playing really, really good football. And, yeah, look, I, Choco Williams, I, I think, has been a great in, in, introduction into that um, uh, coaching staff. I, I think he's brought a, a dimension that uh, Goodwin um, probably didn't, see um until he came in and they're just they're a complete team like they're, they're going to go deep I reckon this season yeah well, we got the inside word from our man Sam around um Choco it sounds like he's had a huge impact on the on the group um yeah look Oliver was huge Gorn was fantastic yeah I mean I like obviously all the all the usual suspects were very good mm. um May was excellent uh, it's a shame for him to get injured sorry go go what you gonna say yeah so yeah I was gonna say when uh, when May went down I forgot uh Tomlinson really has, has stood up yeah. um playing off that halfback line um Jane Hunt had a really really good game um and uh uh, Langdon continues to give him a lot, a lot of run and carry uh, along the wing there, um, which they're just they're, they are fast. Their, their disposal is unbelievably good, um, and, they, and they get. I forgot Jack, Jake Mel, Melksham was still in their list. Um, he comes back this. Yeah. He came back today, and and look, Bryce, you can tell you haven't played for a while, but um, it gives them another forward option. Like they're just going to be so hard to defend at full strength. And they've got a great defensive network uh, uh, back half and that'll stop most teams. It's just whether they, they've got a big, big bodies to take on some of those power forwards um, come final, so I'll wait and see. And Pickup is really good too. Um, D's, I think, simply as well, they just, aside from, I 100% agree with what you've said, they're, they're just a much better team. That's why we both picked them. I think they run both ways better. Um, they work harder. Yeah. And they work much better as a team, and that's that's they're a better team than Geelong. I think, honestly, sorry, but that's that's what I think. I think they're a better team. I'm saying there's probably any other team, maybe some other more star players, but it's not about that. It's we're, we're I think they're a more balanced team at the moment. Um, so yeah, obviously Pickett, yeah, excellent. But look, Geelong. So the, I've had this argument with a few Geelong fans, and. Uh, I think they look tired. I really do. I think they look like a team that's played deep into the previous season. But what what, what do you think about that? We've not had that discussion so much. They, to me, they looked yeah. They look wrecked, and and they they really do. There's two flat. things to it. Very very you know, very flat. And even um, I think it was who's commentator on the bed. Abby Holmes even mentioned it. Like Izzy Smith kicked a kicked a goal, much needed goal. 
and he barely celebrated. And I think he got one pat on the back from a teammate. And then moments later, Big Gordy kicks it from the centre square and it bounces in for a goal. And half the team get around him. Uh, they were physically, yeah. yeah. There's no, and it, it just doesn't seem to be that energy, that spark. And we we're talking about that. Um, yeah, you and I thought that's what might be missing with at Dangerfield out, and it's true. He is the spark. He's the uh, the light for them. He, he brings energy, um, which I mean. Selwood's probably done it for too long. He probably doesn't have much left in him. He probably relies on Dangerfield to. to I think he does, yeah. Regard, but it shouldn't come to that when you've got Duncan and the Guthrie boys and and Menegolo. Well, the Guthrie boys. And these these types of types of players, they should be able to lift the spirits when when it's going the wrong way. To me, yeah, I I think there's two problems. I think firstly they look well three. Okay, so firstly they look a lot of. Older, they miss. They clearly miss Harry Taylor for sure, quite a lot. I think much more than people thought that they would. I think it's it's a big loss, um, and they look like a team that's played deep into the last season, and that that might be coincidence. They might just not be you know sinking that well at the moment, but that's how it looks right now. And they, I, I would love to sit down with Chris Scott and try and understand what it is because he maintains that they try things during games. But consistently, the the cat faithful get very frustrated with Scott and his team around the... There doesn't seem to be a plan B, essentially, is what they get angry about. They, they get angry about how um, he is stubborn and keeps persisting with the same line. And I have to yep. say, I'm, I'm really agreeing with them now. That, that, that I, I didn't right. as much earlier on, but now, I, as in, like, probably... 24 months ago, but now I'm really on, on that now. I don't see what, what 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 possible argument could he give to show me that they're not, that they have other, like, there's, there's two prongs to it, but I, I just don't see what, what the other game plan is. And then it's really kind of his thing, and if it doesn't work, well, well, we'll go down with the ship. And then the other thing I don't quite understand is that, you know, this team is, riddled with defenders and that's it's kind of at this point a bad thing like they've got it felt like they had 80 defenders out there on the ground today like they've got i I just don't think it works i I think yeah i I just think weird nobody wanted to take the game on which that's that's usually their plan b they're they're falling behind they just take the game on and trust that the midfielders will get it forward and there was just none of that um but yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Clarko after the the three peat, especially that twenty seventeen season where he still refused to offload senior players and he backed in his his system and it didn't work. And now well, he's having to rebuild that whole thing. And I, I see that a bit with Geelong, they, but they've got to do it now because they're top heavy with um, good players in their their twilight. If they want to win a flag, it's got to be this year. Otherwise, it's just got to get past them. I can understand that with with Clarko because he's only two years away from a premiership. Chris Scott won a flag 10 years ago. 10 years it is that he's won one. He's still running with the same tricks. It doesn't work anymore. It's a long time. It's a long time. It's a whole decade. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It feel I, I, like I know it's round four, but it, it is concerning. It, it, I, I really do feel like it's it's not going to work. I, I don't know. Anyway. I know it's too long. I know it's too long. Sleepy Hollow and they get hidden a bit from the pressure. 
But if this continues, uh, let's just say halfway through the season, Geelong are 50-50 with us. Yeah. Does Chris Scott get the type of pressure that, say, Nathan Buckley would at Collingwood? Well, I think, he's going to get in the next week or two if Collingwood don't win a game. I think absolutely. I think I think I don't I know I, I don't know whether you've seen it, but um, there was a fascinating. I mean, we don't normally go through this on this podcast, but there was like this directly relates to what we're talking about. But there was a fascinating conversation, very unique scenario where um, Matthew Lloyd wasn't on um, a Monday Footy Classified last Monday, and Chris Scott came on. Uh, as as a permanent guest, and I was like, I don't always watch it, but we, uh, he was going to be like a panelist for the whole thing. I was like, wow, that's wild, like because he, he obviously had coached that day at the the Hawthorne um, Geelong game on the Easter Monday. It was going to come on classified for the whole night. I was like, wow, this will wow. this will be whack. And it's it's amazing television, and um, in it there's a num they kind of don't you know they normally do like the sit down you know there's that famous Brendan Gale interview um, where he says they're going to win three flags by 2020 and they actually did it but you know that the, you know the hot seat interview thing that they didn't do any of that yeah. they that was just kind of him sitting on the panel and they kind of gradually interviewed him through the night and um, he flat out says in a number like it's you you should watch it you'd find it really interesting but like he says a number of things in it. But, I mean, you can kind of tackle it in different angles, but purely what, what we're talking about. He openly says, so um, Caro asks him uh, with with Brad Scott, did, you know, I think she uh, someone asked him, do you think he could coach again? And he says, well, yeah, of course he could. I think he'd be quite good at it. And then someone follows up and says, well, do you think he will? And then he says, oh, I, I don't know, obviously, who, who knows? but I'd probably advise against it. And then someone followed up and said, why, what do you mean? And he said, well, it's not a very good job. And then he kind of left it like just dead air for like five or 10 seconds. And people were like, what do you mean? And he was like, it's not a very good job. It's really stressful. It's really hard. It's really full on. It's fascinating television. He basically like openly says like how cooked it is to be an AFL coach and how hard it is. And after you know, years and years of doing it, it's really full on. And he's like, you know, Brad coached them for, you know, eight or nine years or whatever it was. And, you know, he, you know, he took them to multiple prelims, but that list was pretty successful. And, you know, it's really hard. So I kind of get, I kind of get the feeling to be honest with, and this is what I was leading to before. And I kind of like started the discussion early, but it is interesting to kind of loop it around now with, with Buckley as well. Because I think Buckley and Scott, I think the writing's on the wall. I, I think they're both, I think they both had enough in different respects. To be honest, yeah, even um, their demeanour, like they don't seem to get too animated in the coach's box anymore when things aren't going right. Very dour like in their press conferences. There's no emotion behind. Well, Scott attacks people on the field, but I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the guy on the field, you'll have a crack and a play, but that's 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 like going for big fish in a small pond. Like it's pretty easy catching. Hundred um, percent, yeah, pretty low. Yeah, I agree with you. Low yeah, so, yeah, and I and I think it it would be. Good for both Collingwood and Geelong if both or either of those coaches step down, regardless of how the season goes. I, I, I think, yeah, I think there'll be quite a strong... I think we had 2020 where no coaches changed. Obviously, we, we had um, Reshaw, but that was, you know, beyond the control of, you know, it wasn't like he was fired as a result of not winning enough games. Like, yeah, he was a coach. Yeah. But I do feel like, which is a whole separate conversation, but I do feel like now that um, we're in a situation where a number of clubs are going to... I think I think the boiling point is, is reaching with a few. It, it all depends on who they could get. 
That that's the biggest thing. If Ross Lyon all of a sudden turns around and says, "I'll go to Geelong," geez, well, that all of a sudden you know changes things quite a bit. If he all of a sudden says, "Yeah, I'll coach Collingwood," or, or no, I'm just throwing him out there, but like you know, if somebody like or that, Foss. yeah, or, yeah, a Foss or a Robert Harvey or someone like that comes. Well, Harvey's already in the side. Oh, yeah, I I do. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Anyway, um, that's a, a broader discussion. But look, Melbourne are a very good side. This this is you know. The, it's just pretty outrageous, really. They're they're four and zero, and they've got you know their two main forwards to come back. It's um it's pretty exciting. Um, pretty exciting, and I'm not writing the cats off. No, I know just yet because they've got some good players to come back, but they've got to change. They've got to have a plan B, and, and whether I mean Scott maybe he's waiting just for the, the right time to bring it out. Who knows? Um, I still think they play finals. The the cats they play too many games at home. But Chris Scott, he has these moments. He the has moment. these games where he has these lights out coaching performances. He 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 is still a very very good coach. There's moments where I'm like, wow, that was an amazing move, or that made complete sense, or wow, I didn't didn't think of that at all, and that works, or I didn't think of that player playing there, and that works. He's not a bad coach by any means, but he's been there for ten years, and he's he's shown public, you know, stress around around this game. So I I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting to see where it will go, but um, I'm not writing them off either, but that said, I'm very concerned. I'm concerned by their their age um, makeup for sure, and um, they made all the same mistakes again, and that's a big concern. Two weeks in a row, they made a lot of the same mistakes against Hawthorne, and Hawthorne, you know, kind of really blew it and really should have won that match. Um, They're a young side, but... Um, a lot of other sides will win those games, and that, that's the concern. Um, Frio, Hawthorne, speaking of. Um, uh, look, obviously this finished so late. Um, we were recording this Sunday night, so we didn't get to see like a really you know deep breakdown of this. But it looked like a pretty close game for when I can see Frio started out of the blocks, five, five, six to, to two points. And then, and then it kind of like, you know, Hawthorne caught up and, and built through the game. And um, But Frio... So five kicked oh and six. I mean, like six points. They should have. They should have really like blared them. Did Did you see any of this game at all? No, I haven't seen anything. I've just yeah, yeah. I, I was flicking over on, on the app just to to get score updates and and read the comments and, and stuff like that. And again, it, it kind of read a little bit like Easter Monday, where very slow out of the blocks for Hawthorne and and Fremantle, Fremantle took on the ascendancy and then they clawed their way back, but. Yeah, five zero and six, and and a couple of other players kicking inaccurately. Probably should have won by about five or six goals based on that. But having not seen any vision, uh, yeah. Uh, but look, both on young team looked like Mitchell, uh, O'Meara, Wingard, and, and, and CJ all, all all had really good games again, which they they seem to be the four consistent Hawthorne performers. Yeah. Um, and they're just building uh, for something uh, next year, year after. Who knows? And there's going to be a lot of these frustrating games, I think, for us Hawthorne supporters uh, for, for most of this year uh, where they either start slow or, or tire off in the last quarter. But it's good to see that if they find themselves a bit out, um, that they can call themselves into at least a competitive position where they might be able to win their game. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Freo too good at home. From what I saw, I mean, you know, Obviously, we were calling yeah, this did Sunday. Did you see any of this at all? Uh, I saw. I saw. So obviously, this lapped over the first half, and then I saw all the third quarter and bits of the second, and then I watched 
Okay. Slaps of the end. But so I saw probably like 30, 40 minutes of it. So I saw a bit of it. Um, yeah, obviously this is just the nature when we've got to record on the Sunday night. But I mean, I think like Sean Darcy was fantastic. Chera was really good. Um, although Acres was quite good as well. Monday was excellent again to back it up after the last week where it was amazing. Yeah, look, I, like they should have won by a long, long way. That's that's the reality. They had complete control through a lot of it, really. It, I know the score was closer, yeah. but that looked like, from what I saw, they had pretty strong control. And, yeah, Fife, obviously. I saw after, after the match, he was out there on the ground having shots. Um, I think, you know, just trying to sink a few to not, to not go home tonight thinking, hang on, have I lost the plot? But, um, yeah, look, obviously a lot, lot of missed points. Tabernacle as well, 2-2. Um, Sean Darcy easy, easily could have kicked a bag, kicked 3-2. Um, yeah, so look, it was a weird um, a weird old game, but look, not, not a lot to take out of it, really. Um, Hawthorne, look, you know, two young sides that, you know, not going to play finals. Let's be probably honest. Not, surely not these two aren't going to be there. Um, uh, Hawthorne definitely not. Freo... I don't think no, so. Not with the not no, not with the the quality, like just the evenness of the competition. I think they're another year of just playing together. Before Which is what we said. And, yeah, and yeah. and they're two, like, and like well, they they won't win games away. They don't win games away. That that's the biggest problem. You don't yeah. make finals, no games away. Um, yeah, exactly right. So yeah, competitive, and they'll probably be in that top part of the bottom eight. That's me. it. Maybe we dig into these two teams a bit more next week because, yeah, there's, there's, it's a bit hard for us to go through it when we're recording this, you know, only a couple of hours after the game. But um, yeah. hopsahome.com.au, use the promo code AFL Deep Dive to get $25 off your first pack. Uh, check out the two interviews we've done so far this year with the Make and the Mark guys on Amazon. That was um, lots of fun. And the second interview with Sam Wiedemann, if you heard the first one, as I said last week, definitely check out the second one. It's a very different discussion. Uh, the first one's more about how he got into the league and, you know, forging his way through um, the system and um, starting out and stuff. This is the second chat's much more about like the hub and tactics and current Melbourne stuff now that's going on right now. So it's it's not so much a history thing. It's more about you know where we're at. So definitely um, check that out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, take care. We will be back. Thank you all, mate. We are back. Uh, Thanks, buddy. We will continue. Nice to be back. Exactly. Yeah, I was um, was uh, definitely it was a very uh, quiet place on my own. That's for sure. <laughs> it was awkward. Um, hopefully, no, no. hopefully, the only time this year this happens. That's it. All right. Take care. Goodbye. All right. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Cheers.